reflections on the water More than darkness in the depths See him surface and never a shadow On the wind I feel his breath Golden eye, I found his weakness Golden eye, he'll do what I please Golden eye, no time for sweetness But a bitter kiss will bring him to his knees You'll never know how I watched you from the shadows as a child favorite things we are now in the pierce brosnan era yeah i liked it you did so you you enjoyed uh golden eye i i did it was a fun one i came in what 30 minutes late 45 minutes late yeah you missed a couple of mildly important plot points that changed the entire context of the movie yeah so i was kind of lost through it but i was still enjoyed it i (laughs) I've got to be honest, this is this is hands down one of the Bond movies, if not the Bond movie that I saw the most. Um, and it's because it's one of the first ones, it's uh, 
it's one of the most influential. Yeah. Um, but I also watching it today in a 2020 context saw that it's very much a time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is not a timeless James Bond movie. I I would recommend if someone's looking for a timeless James Bond movie, I would recommend something like Honor Majesty's Secret (laughs) Service, uh, from Rush with Love. And even those are, are time capsules of their era. Whereas this is very much, yeah, this can only happen in the 1990s. Yeah. The hairstyles, the clothing, the cars. Hairstyles, clothing, the 14.4 kilobyte uh, modems, the, <laughs> the uh, let's see here, the massive computers, the uh, no Windows or Mac okay. interface uh yeah, it was weird watching systems. watching them email, and I'm just like that. It was just so so weird because it was before like formal email, so it was just trying to I don't know maybe not, but yeah, it was just really weird. It was before I ever knew about email kind of stuff. Yeah, like so it's just weird. It's it's one of these movies that it honestly on paper i don't know if this works just lining out the concept i don't know if it works and somehow all the pieces fit together and i would put this up in the top five of james bond films Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna let you vamp for a few seconds while i I turn off our camera over here okay what am i vamping about oh you're just gonna keep talking so um yeah i'm not good about that Okay. To I, any, need, I need somebody to lead the conversation. To any and all of our listeners, we had a camera ro- rolling for a few seconds just to get some B-roll on an adoption video we're putting out there um, for our profile. Most of you guys won't see it, um, but uh, in a small way, hey, you are a part of our adoption journey. So yes. congratulations. <laughs> um, uh, what I will say for um, this film... Gosh, I've mentioned it to you, and mm-hmm. I'm going to put it out there on the podcast. Um, the James Bonds we've seen thus far, I question the, how do we say, the sexual viability of this man to attract innumerable women <laughs> to go to bed with him. Yeah. Um, and you know, actually go and and have sexual relations with him. Uh, Sean Connery, I'll I'll do a walk for you. Sean Connery was a pig. Um, Uh He he was attractive, but you literally had to wait a minute and a half to hear that he was an absolute sexist, misogynist jerk. Yeah. And... To have intimate contact with him was to know that he hated you. Um, Then you get to George Lazenby, and that guy obviously was going to have a venereal disease. Just (laughs) the way he approached everything. Uh, You get to Roger Moore, and you're like, you're kind of smarmy and old. You're funny. Um, But I don't see the sexual attractiveness uh, Timothy Dalton, I kind of believed his approach, at least to the main love interests in his two films, because he was semi-monogamous. Yeah. And so 
there was enough charm on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I can kind of see it. We get to Pierce Brosnan <laughs> and this man. I mean, I, I am a biological man. I identify as a man and I identify as heterosexual. And I will tell you, he is stunning. He is one of the most handsome people, one of the most beautiful people. I will dare say one of the sexiest people I have ever seen. And I watched Goldeneye and I was like, you know what, ladies, I get it. I get it. I really do. You're attracted to Pierce Brosnan. I understand. I get it. Yeah. He's, he's okay looking. Okay. Well, I'm glad you prefer me. I but, prefer you. Uh, but this this movie, I don't know. I there's a fine line that James Bond has to walk. James Bond has to be charming. He has to be um, tough, but he has to. There's such a fine line that this character has to walk, and most movies really struggle with it of him being suave and daring and charming and also able to do all the incredible spy stuff he does. And this is, this is one of the few Bond movies that I feel is able to walk down that line and do it really well. We're going to get to some Pierce Brosnan films here in a bit that they lean on one side or the other. Once we get to Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig is a little charming, but he's a blunt instrument. Mm -hmm. This movie, I believe that Pierce Brosnan's character could do what he was doing on screen. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was also charming, as as I already said. It's it's this balance that you don't you don't realize that you've been missing until you've got it. Yeah, and and this movie was really good at it. Um, I'm kind of gushing over this movie, but um, <laughs> I really really enjoyed it. It's uh, my favorite is still The Living Daylights. That's my favorite Bond film. Uh -huh. But but this one, I think, is really close up there. I would say my top three is probably Living Daylights, uh, this, and From Russia With Love. Out of the films we've seen so far. Okay. And it's, as far as Bond movies go, it might be really close to perfect. Uh-huh. Um, which, I mean, that's saying something. I there are so many good ones. There are a few stinkers. I mean, License to Kill uh, and Diamonds Are Forever come to mind as, <laughs> as just being bad. Yeah. But uh, most of the rest of them, I would at the very least call good. And this one was great. And uh, we'll get into the plot here in a minute. But I just I want to talk a little bit of history. This was the first Bond movie in six years. Uh, this is the last Bond film that Albert Broccoli saw before he died. Um, was he part of making it? Al yeah, he was one of the chief producers. Okay. So Albert Broccoli uh, had been a Bond producer since Dr. No. Uh, after this film, his producing duties that he'd kind of been breeding his daughter and stepson for are taken over. They, they take over as the the hands on the reins of, of the James Bond franchise. Um, but a little less than a year after this movie came out, uh, he died in 1996. This film came out in 1995. Uh, Albert Broccoli passed away. Mm -hmm. um, Barbara Broccoli, that's his daughter, uh, told the story on the documentary, Everything or Nothing, 
uh, which is about the Bond film franchise, where uh, one of the last things that her dad did before dying was uh, called Sean Connery, and they they had an over the phone kind of reconciliation, mm. um, where he told him "I love you," and Aww. and they had a, a reconciliation before he passed away, and uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion tied up for the people who made the James Bond films, including Pierce Brosnan. And we'll talk more about that when we get to his final film, Die Another Day. Um, but by this movie, Pierce Brosnan was ready to play this role. And it yeah. shows. It shows that he is ready to go. He fits the role perfectly in yeah, this film. he really does. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to get into the plot of Goldeneye. All right, and we're back. If we get interrupted, we ordered a pizza, so there is every possibility that the pizza person, notice I did not give a sex to that, uh, may interrupt our our recording. So, uh, this week's film, produced by Albert Broccoli and directed by Martin Campbell, who will be back for a later installment, is Goldeneye. We start off with what sounds like a video game soundtrack as Pierce Brosnan takes the stage in his tuxedo to shoot the uh, gun barrel sequence. Then we go to a dam in the middle of the Soviet Union. And hey, there I've, I will read my notes. There is a large dam with a man running. The man bungee jumps off of the dam. It's really exciting stuff, and you're wondering why we're watching bungee jumping in a James Bond movie. <laughs> but hey, we find out that it's a weapons facility. We know because the titles tell us. Uh, the <laughs> bungee jumping man uses a laser to get inside. And sure enough, it's Pierce Brosnan as James Bond upside down, and he punches a man on the toilet off the toilet. <laughs> I missed that. Darn. Yeah, I can, I can show it to you later. Uh, but he says, beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Knocks the guy off. Uh, at this point, Bond infiltrates um, the... Wow, my notes are terrible. Uh, infiltrates the facility. Uh, some of these names I'll use are pretty generic. Uh, some of these names will actually have some substance to him. I'm running by the seat of my pants. Anyhow, a shadow jumps out with a gun, speaks in Russian. Bond says, I'm alone. Out of the shadow steps Sean Bean as 006 and says, aren't we all? <laughs> uh, at this point, Sean Bean and uh, Pierce Brosnan, 006 and 007, go through and they just kill some poor uh, lab techs working at this facility. And sure, there's some Soviet soldiers walking around, but these guys in lab coats, they were working nine to five, just, you know, sure they were building weapons of mass destruction, <laughs> but you know, they were going home. Uh, they were they were gonna have pizza that night. They were really excited. They were like, yes, I got the new promotion. <laughs> Finally, assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> and, and sure enough, Right as soon as Dwight gets to his position, he just gets offed by 006. Oh, poor Dwight. Poor guy. Anyhow, 
at this point, uh, Bond and Alec Trevelyan uh, get into the large laboratory area, determining that it's a little too quiet. As Alec attempts to put a lock on the door, an alarm goes off. They need to finish this mission and finish it quick. Alec tells Bond to set the timers for six minutes. Six minutes. Soldiers bust in while Bond places timers. Gunfight ensues in this area that seems like a gunfight would be a bad idea. Uh, lots of uh, looking like chemical drums laying around. Uh, Colonel Arumov demands uh, 006 and 007 surrender or die. Bond is setting timers, tells Alec to close the door. There's a draft, gets no response back. Peeks around a corner and Orimov has 006 at gunpoint. He tells 007 to surrender. He starts counting down. 006 is executed and James looks frightened. Mm -hmm. He immediately moves to the timer, sets them to three minutes instead of six and slowly moves out. Uh, he grabs a, looks like gas tanks, and begins wheeling them towards uh, the exit. A stray shot hits nearby. Ormoth executes the soldier who shoots the stray shot. When the cart of gas tanks reaches a point where it can go no further, Ormoth gloats, and it looks like James has reached the end. Nope, because we're only five minutes into the movie, <laughs> and we've still got a lot of movie left to go. As as he dives onto a conveyor belt behind him, Bond shoots the gas tanks that spill out onto the waiting uh, Soviet army. We go out into an airstrip where we get a really cool motorcycle chase scene. Uh, Bond uses the motorcycle to jump off of the cliff's edge behind a plane that's running away without a pilot, gets into the plane and pulls out at the last second as the facility explodes. And we go into Tina Turner's title song, Goldeneye. Mm. Sounds like it's an exciting start. Yep. It's all right. The dinner that you were making was really good. So yeah. it's totally fine. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, as we exit the song with lots of Soviet imagery and half naked women and <laughs> guns sticking out of their mouths and weird Soviet uh, statues, uh, we come back to see Bond driving uh, his. Aston Martin DB5 with an attractive evaluator. Uh, they're both just like in their Sunday best. He's wearing just <laughs> like a sweater, sweater vest and a tie. And I'm like, man, Pierce Brosnan, mm, 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 just gravy. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, at this point, uh, the film fatale for the film zooms in in a red Ferrari. Uh, they race through the mountains of what looks like France. Uh, they almost run over some cyclists. Uh, the evaluator orders Bond to stop at once. Uh, Bond does so and then proceeds to seduce her because that's what Bond does. And I'll be honest, if it's Pierce Brosnan Bond, <laughs> I'm down. Anyhow, <laughs> that night, uh, Bond drives into the casino without the evaluator, mind you, uh, noticing the red F Ferrari. Uh, because Bond uh, is never not horny, he goes inside. Uh, the femme fatale is inside playing back for in a very low-cut dress. Uh, 
Bond proceeds to beat her at her own game while she is the dealer. Uh, mind you, in the game of Backrap, which you can look up on Wikipedia for actual rules and regulation, uh, the idea of the game is if you are the dealer to beat all of the other players, if you are all the other players, the, the idea is to beat the dealer. You can even win as everyone else against the dealer. That's what you're going for. Okay. The rule is the value of face cards is 10. The value of all other cards are their number. The goal is to reach on the last digit of whatever your number is, nine, without going over. If you go over, it starts again. So if you add a jack and a six, your score is 16. Your score is actually six. Ah, okay. So the idea is you want to get as close to nine as you can without going over. Okay. It starts all over again. Your your bottom, the last number, is what you're shooting for. All right. Anyhow, I've probably totally butchered that. If so, I apologize <laughs> to all of you casino sharks out there. The last <laughs> time I played back rat was never. Uh, anyhow, uh, he learns upon approaching her and attempting to pick her up that her name is Zinya. Something rather else sounds really Soviet on a top uh, because we needed a pun in this film. She is sleeping with an admiral in some Navy. I'm not sure if it's British or what. He has an accent, but I'm not entirely sure what it is. Uh, Bond then spies on them entering a yacht. He notices a nearby frigate. Uh, he goes back to the DB5 where on his radio he gets a briefing from Money Penny telling him that the the yacht and Miss on a top have ties to Yanis. Uh, at this point we get a pretty graphic sex scene, uh, PG-13 graphic, not graphic graphic. Uh, that said, uh, it is the first at least PG-13 film uh, to have a female climax during a sex huh. scene. Um, you will get a few of those in this film because that's on a top's whole thing. Uh, if she kills someone, she has an orgasm. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that later when I joined the thing. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yes, that's her whole deal. Uh, but the whole idea is that's how she gets sexual pleasure. It's not from actual sex, but from the kill. Yeah. Um, she and uh, Scaramanga should get together because he, uh, as the song says, uh, uh, climaxes, I'm paraphrasing, before the kill. Uh, <laughs> so they should get together. Uh, they'd be quite a couple. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> uh, she kills the Admiral by strangling him with her thighs, uh, which leans back to in Living Daylights, there was a similar killer uh, spoken of when they were searching for uh, Miss Karamilovi. Uh, after killing the Admiral, uh, his ID is stolen. Uh, the next day, we get a parade around the military frigate in the bay, uh, which Xenia and someone who's wearing a beard and the Admiral's uniform uh, sneak on board. I don't know that we ever find out who that person is. I'm not sure if it's Armoff or the bad guy that we have yet to meet, but it's someone who is supposed to look a lot like the Admiral. In the meantime, Bond sneaks onto the yacht to investigate, and it's at this point we learn that the individual on the frigate is an imposter because the dead, naked, smiling, creepy corpse of the dead Admiral falls out of <laughs> the closet, just a big, creepy grin on his face. Um, he jumps off of the yacht onto a boat and speeds over to 
what we find out is the Tiger helicopter demonstration on board the frigate. Uh, the Tiger helicopter is a stealth helicopter that is impervious to EMP. Uh, let me stop and say that again in as many syllables as I can. E-M-P. Uh, not for nothing, but that's probably going to be important in about five minutes. <laughs> um, on a top kills the two pilots of the helicopter, and she and her companions steal it. Bond is too late, and the helicopter gets away. Uh, just a heads up, that was the end of page one of my notes of four. <laughs> most notes you've ever taken. It is the most notes I've ever taken. Anyhow, uh, at this point in Severnaya, which is in Russia, I think, uh, we meet Boris. Uh, I don't want to try to pronounce his last name because it would be awful. And Natalia, who I will also not attempt to pronounce her name because, again, awful. Um, they are both uh, computer programmers. Boris is a... <laughs> I'm going to quote my notes on this. Uh, Boris is a Gamergate douchebag full of himself and his own talent as a hacker. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Gamergate is, uh, just Google it. You'll get more than enough information. Let's just say they're a bunch of sexist pigs on the internet. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, he brags that he is invincible. Uh, and at this point, I note that Alan Cumming is great. Um, you may know Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler from the second X-Men film. Okay. Or you may not. I Anyhow, don't. he's the blue guy. Who? Oh, the blue guy. Okay. Yep. Maybe. <laughs> it's been a while. I love watching movies with you. <laughs> uh, at this point, while Boris goes and takes a smoke break, the tiger lands outside. Arumov and Onatop get out and go inside. Uh, they tell him that they're running a drill. Uh, they activate the Goldeneye, and in the process of obtaining it, they slaughter everyone at Severnaya. Natalia barely escapes. On a talk, climaxes as she kills, is in my notes. Uh, they take the keys with them. Uh, as they're on their way out, someone hits the alarm. On, on a top, shoots them, and Ormov says they'll never get here in time. The Russians scramble fighters in response, uh, and in the process, we go over to MI6 where we meet uh, Bond, the new Money Penny, played by Samantha Bond, and our new M, played by Judy Dench. Her last name really is Bond. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, in the process of all of this, uh, they are tracking where everything went uh, to Servania. They've got up the satellite, uh, and it's really neat. Uh, Bond says, "Oh, this is live footage." And M very snarkily says, unlike the Americans, we'd rather not get our information from CNN. Just <laughs> good. Good idea. Um, as they're watching all of this go down, uh, the EMP uh, from Goldeneye wipes everything out. Um, and apparently the EMP aboard Goldeneye is a one-use uh, one weapon. We'll find out in a little bit why that's important. Uh, but anyhow, it's a little bit more realistic than your typical doomsday weapons from uh, earlier Bond films. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Bond is instructed to investigate. In the meantime, Natalia escapes the wreckage of the facility. 
Uh, M grills her new subordinate, Bond. She tells, uh, she calls him a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, and she just nails him. She's absolutely right. Uh, she puts him in his place and sets him straight. But she does so in such a way that it's to let him know, hey, you work for me. You're going to report to me. Uh, if you have a problem with me, you're going to tell me. Oh, by the way, come back alive. Don't go doing something stupid just to do something stupid. And we, I got to be honest, uh, after uh, Bernard Lee, who was the very first M, uh, Robert Brown felt a little cold. Uh, Judy Dench is the right mix of professional and almost maternal, motherly. Yeah. Um, and it works. It really works in her role as an authority figure. Um, let me see here, make sure I'm in the right place. Um, we go over to St. Petersburg uh, to the Russian defense area, uh, and we meet Defense Minister Dmitry Mishkin, uh, who is meeting with General Orumov about the incident with the GoldenEye satellite. Uh, Orumov offers his uh, resignation for the uh, events. Uh, he learns of Natalia's survival uh, while he's there. He knew of Boris. He didn't know of Natalia. And immediately we go, uh-oh, what's going on? Uh, why'd they let Boris live? At this point, we go over to MI6 again, and we see good old Q looking old but still spry. Spry, but in a cast. Yeah, I was like, oh, he broke his leg. Yes, and... Uh, <laughs> And Pierce Brosnan, as James Bond says, what's the matter, Q? Skiing? And Q just looks up with this look of absolute joy and goes, hunting! And then fires a <laughs> rocket out of his cast. And so I didn't write this in my notes, but I want, to, I want to make note of this right now for the public. The Q-Bond relationship in almost every Bond movie leading up to the very last one was borderline hostile. Like there are some where it seems like Hugh absolutely hates Bond. Uh -huh. And in this movie and in each subsequent Bond movie, there is this just love between, uh, between Hugh and Bond that plays just so warmly and I think that was a rapport between Pierce Brosnan and Desmond Llewellyn. And it, it's just touching to me. Um, I was just given a notification that our food is about to be here. So we are going to take a brief break. When we return a little bit more full, we will find out what Q has for Bond and what is going to happen on Bond's mission. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back inside of Q Branch, a little bit fuller. Uh, <laughs> but at this point, Q introduces Bond to his new BMW that is only in this film for product placement, <laughs> as BMWs will be for the next two Bond films after okay. this one. Uh, literally, there will be one scene where he drives it later, and that is it. Uh, we also meet Bond's uh, special Batman belt uh, with a grappling hook built into it and a grenade pin. Uh, 
Q uses a really neat x-ray document scanner. Uh, Bond is fiddling around with what looks like it might be an incognito device. Q snatches it away just to let Bond know that no, that is indeed a sandwich and his lunch. <laughs> uh, Bond sets down on a plane in St. Petersburg and meets Jodon Baker, Jack Wade, CIA. Uh, you may recognize Jodon Baker as the villain of Living Daylights uh, when he was Brad Whitaker, the guy who was uh, a little obsessed with guns. Okay. I don't remember. That's uh, okay. Neither did uh, the producers, apparently, which is why they cast him as another main character. <laughs> Anyhow... Meanwhile, across town, Natalia also arrives in St. Petersburg via a train and goes to a computer store and gets online with a 14.4K modem. Uh, she goes in under the cover that she is a school teacher buying computers uh, and is able to contract Boris, uh, who tells her to meet her at a church. When she does so, she is abducted by Onatop. And we find out that Boris, uh, as we figured out before, is a creep. Um, she should have known better. Anyhow, via Jack Wade, we find out that the way to get in contact with the Yanis Crime Syndicate is through Valentin Sikovsky, played by Robbie Coltrane. Uh, we go to Valentin's club, uh, where we meet uh, Minnie Driver as the worst <laughs> singer of all time. Uh, point in fact mini driver is a fantastic singer just not in this film <laughs> she does a really good impression in this film and phantom of the opera as someone who cannot sing mm -hmm. in all seriousness go on amazon music she's really good um at this point valentine tells bond that he in exchange for some favorable information that will gain him lots of money he will set bond up with yanis uh, we find out that Bond and Sikovsky have a love-hate relationship, uh, seeing as the last time that they saw each other, Bond shot him in the knee and stole his girlfriend. <laughs> Nevertheless, Sikovsky helps Bond out. Uh, we find out that in addition to the meeting, uh, this is someone that shouldn't be trusted because they are Leon's Koska. According to the movie, these are a group of people who betrayed both... Uh, the West and the East, uh, and then when they sought uh, asylum in the UK, they were turned right back over to Stalin, who had most of them executed. Anyhow, uh, at this point, Bond goes to a hotel and swims lap in laps in, in the baby pool, uh, <laughs> which is right next to a steam room, and then uh, on a top attempts to uh, sex kill uh, Bond. Uh, and then he beats her up, uh, not just in the movie, uh, but in real life as well. Oops. Uh, so come to find out during the the sexy fight scene, uh, as I will call it, um, Pierce Brosnan and Fomka Jansen uh, were instructed to make it look real. And so when he runs her into a wall full speed, he actually like either bruised or broke a rib on Ow. her uh, during the scene. She said it was fun to a point. Anyhow, <laughs> at this point, after Bond has beat up a woman, uh, not Sean Connery style, but uh, Pierce Brosnan style, which is more acceptable for some reason, um, she takes him to a graveyard to meet Yanis. He knocks her out uh, with a karate chop that, uh, since she stayed out, probably would have given her permanent brain damage. Uh -huh. uh, we talked about this while we were walking. Yeah. You said, would that really work? 
Uh, long and short of it is, if you hit someone somewhere hard enough to knock them out, if they don't wake up in a second or two, they're probably going to have issues. Mm. Like, period. Uh, whenever you watch someone get uh, knocked out in a boxing match, usually they come to within 30 seconds, a yeah. minute max. Uh, she is out. <laughs> but... This is movies, totally acceptable. Yeah. And we can also explain anything stupid she does for the rest of the movie as brain damage. <laughs> Good point. All right. So at this point, Bond goes into the graveyard expecting to see some new person and instead sees a ghost. 006, Sean Bean. Uh, the only person good enough to die in every movie he's in has already gotten to die once. And I'm going to give you a hint. He's going to get to die again in this movie. <laughs> Uh, he is now scarred from the explosion. He confronts Bond. Bond feels betrayed, but so does uh, Alec. Uh, the explosion was supposed to go off six minutes later, giving him ample time to escape, but instead it was set for three minutes, and it burned off part of his face. Hmm. Bond is knocked out via a knockout dart, uh, an actual way that you could knock someone out. Uh, Bond wakes up in the Tiger helicopter, Natalia behind him screaming. Missiles fire from the helicopter, and Bond is able to use his head to hit the eject button, escaping the blast at the rest of the helicopter's body. Uh, we just ended page two of my notes, just for the record. <laughs> um, as soon as they get out of the helicopter, they are confronted by the Russian troops. They are taken to the defense ministry where they are going to be interrogated. Natalia tells Bond her story. Uh, and as Mishkin enters, she tells him the rest. Mishkin believes, uh, and he's ready to cooperate with Bond when Oromov comes in, and it is too late. Oromov kills Mishkin with Bond's gun, kills the guard, framing Bond for the shooting. Bond and Natalia are able to knock Oromov down and begin running. Uh, they are separated. Natalia is captured, and she is hauled away with Oromov. Bond jumps into a tank, and we get the most awesome chase scene probably up to this point in a Bond film. It's pretty epic. With a tank through St. Petersburg. And this thing has it all. You've got a tank just mowing through streets, crushing cars like they were beer cans. You've got statues getting stuck on the top of yeah. it. All kinds of fun. Just enough cheese, but just enough action. This is a great 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 chasing uh after they are able to get away ormov and natalia get on the bullet train belonging to yanis bond follows in his tank on board alec and Anatop are waiting alec creeps on natalia trying to force himself on her as he's about to make his move and do something rapey including rape uh bond pulls the tank onto the tracks Alec and Natalia, uh, Alec and Onatop tell the conductor to ram the tank. Bond opens fire on the engine. It catches fire. Bond jumps out of the tank and the train derails. It is a wreck. As Alec and Onatop come to, Bond is holding them at gunpoint. Ormoff is instructed to come to the car with Natalia. Uh, and the general holds her at gunpoint while Bond holds Alec and Onatop at gunpoint. Faced with 
Faced with an unwinnable choice, Bond shoots Oromov as the two others escape. In the meantime, the train locks down. I'm sorry if I slowed down. I'm trying to catch my breath. I'm saying a lot. <laughs> I'm saying a lot, and I'm running out of air. I was not breathing, apparently, and so I'm now catching my breath. Sorry for that. You need to breathe. Oh, I'm fine. Anyhow, uh, Bond is told over the over the loudspeaker that he has the same six minutes that he gave Alec, meaning he has three minutes to get out of the train. Bond lasers out while Natalia tracks Boris' file back up to Cuba. They're able to get out just in time for the plane to explode. We now zoom over to Cuba, where Bond is in his uh, product placement BMW, uh, and he and Natalia are just having a wonderful drive. It just looks beautiful down there. Uh, and Jack Wade flies in uh, on a plane, and he trades a plane and information for Bond's BMW. Uh, and don't worry, if you're worried about the car, it's okay. They, they're going to crash the plane instead. <laughs> uh, but before that, uh, Natalia and Bond sex. Uh, that's what I have in my notes. Uh, they go <laughs> and they have the classic uh, brooding good guy on the beach scene where she goes and tells him, you need to stop being a brooding good guy and you need to come to bed. <laughs> That's not what she actually says. I'm sure it was actually a lot sexier, but I can't do that impression. <laughs> I can do whiny. I can't do sexy. I just, it's not me. <laughs> it's all right. But anyhow, uh, Bond and Natalia survived their uh, sexing and crashing only for Anatop to arrive and attempt to sex kill them. And yes, I said them because she also kind of comes on to Natalia. Uh, Bond straps on a top to her helicopter and shoots it down, pulling her into a tree and crushing her to, de to death. He then, to add insult to energy, uh, to insult to injury, <laughs> says, she always did enjoy a good squeeze. Yeah. And that's technically true. Yep. Although in bad taste, because he just murdered someone. Anyhow. It was self-defense. Uh, I think it was personal. Anyhow. <laughs> uh... As they are going through the area they were in, the lake that was formerly below them when they were shot down drains to reveal the dish that is being used to control the second GoldenEye. What? what? There's a second GoldenEye? <laughs> Apparently, these satellites are only one use. When they enter the atmosphere, they, they burn up, but at the same point, disrupt everything with an EMP. This is how they work. It's a little bit more realistic than the doomsday weapon that just stays in outer space. Yeah. Um, it explains how you would actually be able to do something in atmosphere, uh, since most anything you would fire through the atmosphere would probably burn up in the process. Anyhow, uh, everyone is alerted. Bond and Natalia go on the run. They infiltrate while London is being targeted by Boris and Alec. Bond sets remote mines and surrenders while Natalia uh, resets the GoldenEye. Alec disarms the mines after stealing Bond's watch as Natalia is caught. She threatens to kill Bond, and she says exactly what Bond said when she was held at gunpoint. Kill him. He means nothing to me. <laughs> Bond kind of smiles because it's funny. It's <laughs> it's what he did, and it's just as cold-hearted. And he's like, well, that's fair play. Yeah. It's cool if I get shot this way. Anyhow, uh, 
Boris is bragging about how good he is to Natalia and can't break her code. <laughs> uh, he then begins uh, kind of uh, obsessive compulsively uh, popping the pen. Uh, it's three on, three off. Uh, and I don't know how Bond kept track because I lost, I lost track. And uh, he kind of swats the grenade away to the to the gas tanks that are already kind of leaking. And I was like, what if you counted wrong? <laughs> Do you just get shot then? Apparently. Fortunately for Bond, his count was right on and the gas tanks explode. He and Natalia are able to get away to the elevator. Uh, Goldeneye is set for re-entry. Bond knocks... Oh, I already got it. I already covered that one. Last page of notes. Uh, Bond is going to go and try to jam the transmitter so that the hack cannot be undone. Natalia is going to run for safety. Bond is able to jam the transmitter as Boris tries to break the, the hack. At this point, it's a cat and mouse game between Alec and James uh, going across the dish. Uh, and right at this point, uh, my uh, rear end is just puckered because they're up in the air and <laughs> anyone could slip and fall. There's just a lot of running on catwalks and I'm just nervous. I'm nervous for everybody. I'm like, oh, don't fall, bad guy. Oh, don't fall, James. Yeah, it was, a, it was very intense. Oh, it gets it gets better. Yep. Uh, Boris breaks the hack, but Bond has already jammed the chain holding things in place. You know, like putting... Whenever you got a bully in the neighborhood and they're riding their bike pass, you just shove a tree branch into the bike spokes. <laughs> sure, they're in the hospital for six months, but <laughs> totally worth it. Anyhow, uh, Alec gains the upper hand only for Bond to knock him from the dish. Alec doesn't die until the dish crushes him uh, when everything explodes. I mean, how many stories did he fall? So, I would say he fell in the neighborhood of 150 feet. It was a little higher than, than the old hangman ride at Opryland. Because I, I thought for sure that fall would kill him. And then so, about a, so, here's the funny thing. Uh, a fall... Skydivers can fall and actually survive. Um, he wasn't going to walk away. True. Uh, and I... It's... I think the most graphic thing in the movie is his body hitting the ground. Yeah, I mean, it hurt me. I was like, ugh. So, uh, the dish starts exploding, and you just, from Alex's point of view, see the antenna coming right at him as he <laughs> screams. Uh, Natalia rescues Bond via helicopter before he crashes to the ground. Uh, and then, I'm sorry, I have to read my notes. Uh, Boris chills out on liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen tanks meant for cooling computers burst and freeze <laughs> him in place. Uh, Bond and Natalia canoodle in the bushes as Wade walks up. And he's like, hey, where were you? We did all this without you. And he's like, oh, it's coming. And he goes, and where are the Marines? And he goes, oh, they're here. Marines. And all the bushes around them are the Marines. And that was already kind of awkward, but it would have been really awkward in like a minute. Uh, they fly off together as we get a 90s love theme and the credits. Yeah. That one, I like that that one didn't end with your typical, you know, they're off by themselves blocking whatever, you know, the headquarters are trying to get to them. You know, <laughs> having sex out in the boat or whatever. Oh, this was... They, you know, 
he was making his move when all of a sudden all these people just like, oh, we're right here. And then they just, they all go off together. It's okay. The rest of them will end with him having sex with someone. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be a James Bond. Um, no, I, I love this movie. This movie is a, a prime example of a great 90s action movie. Uh, the year before this came out, uh, Luc Besson uh, directed a movie called The Professional, or Lyon, if you're in France. And it has a lot of the same visceral action. It has a lot of um, really quick cuts. The action is is almost palpable. And this one plays out very similarly. I believe that film is the reason that this film has kind of a crummy soundtrack mm. uh it's not terrible i think it fits the film it fits the era but it doesn't feel james bond yeah uh it's there's a lot of synth uh there's a lot of excuse me uh, a lot of different music choices uh some of the soundtrack actually feels kind of like a video game to the point that playing the GoldenEye video game that came out a year later, a lot of the tracks sound very, very, very similar. Nice. And I don't think it was a big leap. Um, and this film has the cultural touchstone of being the first Pierce Brosnan film, but also generating probably top in the top five Nintendo 64 games of all time, popular video games, uh, an adaptation of this movie in video game form. I played untold hours of that game with friends. And it's, I wasn't any good at it, but it was a lot of fun to play. But this, this movie was a phenomenon. This mm -hmm. movie brought James Bond back to people. And it had been a question before this movie came out because James Bond had been about fighting during the Cold War. What do you do after the Cold War? They did a movie about drugs and it, it stank. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do now that the Russians aren't the bad guys anymore? And truth of the matter is, they kind of made the Russians the bad guys. <laughs> uh, and it kind of works in this just after the Iron Curtain has fallen movie. Uh, but I, I adore this movie. Um, I'm looking forward to next week. Next week's movie, I enjoy... I'll be honest, a little bit more ironically. Okay. Which one is next week? Next week is Tomorrow Never Dies. Is that the one I think it is? No, the uh, one you're thinking of is Die Another Day, which okay. is which is Pierce Brosnan's last. Okay. No, next next week's film is one I really really enjoy, but it, I I would be lying if I said it was anywhere near as good as this film. Okay. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it, but at the same time, I want to set expectations a little low. I want people to understand <laughs> what you're getting in for. You're getting in for a more classic James Bond feel movie. Okay. But that doesn't mean it's a great movie. <laughs> so I just want you to set your expectations just a little lower. So I hope you'll come back and join us next week when we get uh, Pierce Brosnan, Jonathan Price, Terry Hatcher, and Michelle Yeoh in Tomorrow Never Dies. It's been great talking to you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.